Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast. Brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Hey, what's up, everybody? Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick here, and welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. Got another fabulous interview for you today. And this one's going out to all the other podcasters or aspiring podcasters out there who are interested in jumping into this medium, which of course I think is fabulous. Uh, but today I, I connected with Ray Ortega of the podcaster studio. And this is why I love the web, you guys, but we connected over Twitter. I, I honestly don't exactly remember how I came across him or I followed him. I got this instant direct message from him. It wasn't an auto reply. Thanks so much, Kim, for following. I, Anyways, it was great. And so, of course, as I do normally when somebody takes the time to connect on a more personal level, I went to um, I went to a site because it's linked in the site. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love what this guy's doing. And Ray is a full-time podcaster. So he actually happens to be sort of near me, uh, about an hour away. But he does this full time for a living and I just wanted his insight onto podcasting, where it's going, what he does, all that good stuff. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. So have fun and make sure to check out Ray at thepodcasterstudio.com. Send him any questions. He is very responsive. Um, just a great guy. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with him. So enjoy the interview. Welcome, Ray, and thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Kim. I'm also a huge fan of the uh, the Twitters. <laughs> do you use that for? Do you use it a lot? I use Twitter constantly. I've roped other people into Twitter. You know, it's just really easy. I'm also probably part of a newer generation who doesn't like to talk on the phone, so text message is great. And Twitter is just like text messaging the world. So I love it. Yeah, it's a quick, great way to get a message out. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, it's a great way to find so much content that you're interested in. You know, I mean, like Facebook is for the people you you know already or have to know, which is i.e. family. Twitter is for all the people you want to know. That's a good way of looking at it. Although with Facebook, I started on it so early. I mean, I have so many friends that, of course, they're not real friends. And most of everything I do is through my page for my website anyways now. So I yeah. probably have some cleaning, house cleaning to do there. Yeah, I, I, I got lucky and did Facebook right where I only kept it to people I actually really knew. I, I ironically kept Facebook private, which is, you know, there's a joke in there with all the privacy issues of Facebook. But you are able to control that. And Twitter was for public and it worked out really well for me. And I know a lot of people have had to declare Facebook bankruptcy. They just have to start over because, yeah, they let everybody in and it becomes hard to manage that, at least on a personal basis. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that, um, which we'll get into a little bit because I do want to talk to you about how you market the podcast as well. Sure. So, OK, so before we get into the podcaster studio, so why don't you tell us what you were doing? Well, before you found podcast and then if you could lead us up to the podcaster studio, that would be great. Before I found tech, really, I guess. I, I would do anything creative, right? Whether it was, I thought I was going to be an artist when I grew up and like draw for Disney or something. And at some point in high school, I decided, you know what? I'm going to be more rational than that. And there there was more logic to it, which we might get into. But I thought I need to pick something that's maybe a little bit more attainable because working for Disney, that's like saying I'm going to be an actor and win an Oscar. I mean, it's, it's very difficult. Your odds are slim. So I said, you know, what's the best blend of mind and body and somewhere from inside me out came law enforcement. And so I still have the essay that I wrote in my sophomore year English uh, class where I decided this. And uh, I was going to go into federal law enforcement. And I set myself up for that direction. And ever since sophomore in high school, uh, until I was almost probably 30 years old, that was my pure direction in life, a completely hyper-focused direction. And, you know, I went to graduated high school, went to college, came out of college, uh, and ended up becoming a police officer. So mission accomplished, sort of, because as I mentioned, I was looking to get into federal law enforcement, but I needed a little bit of experience, uh, knew I didn't want to be a police officer, but ended up there anyways, um, and my instincts were correct. <laughs> it wasn't the job for me. As I mentioned, I'm a very creative person. Uh, you don't get to do much creativity in, in enforcing the law, and no one really likes you. So everyone you deal with on a daily basis 
has no interest in dealing with you. And that is about a complete 180 from what I do now uh, and love. So so that was all my life, I guess, before podcasting. And uh, it involved a lot of um, a lot of training for that, as well as a lot of school. But when I when I decided I, I no longer uh, wanted to do that, I went back to, to college and I got my master's degree in sociology. And not because I thought that that was going to lead to a great job, because it's, there's not a lot of jobs for sociologists. Unless you want to teach, right? <laughs> teach or crunch numbers. You really can get a like a data driven driven job because it has a lot to do with um, you know crunching numbers and doing all the you know these these uh, the Pew studies that look at the you know quality of life and all that stuff. That's that's basically sociology. Uh, but I like the qualitative stuff. Again, here I am being more creative. I like to go out and interview people or have a conversation and and study. Uh, groups and people that way. So not a lot of money in that. <laughs> but uh, so somewhere in there, right around 2005, I discovered this weird thing called podcasting. And it was because I was using uh, this beautiful piece of software called Napster. Someone decided that that was no longer uh, a very good idea or legal. And so I had to go and find a new way to get music. And I went into iTunes. And in the corner, I saw this word podcast. I clicked on it. Uh, some guys are randomly talking about nothing in their living room from wherever, and it was terrible. And for me, it was amazing. I, I thought, wow, this is unbelievable, right? I mean, because here I am in my youth thinking, I have one door to knock on. It's Disney. If I can't get that job, then what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people think this who want to create a show or content or get their message out uh, to the world and it used to be you did have maybe three doors to knock on, CBS, NBC, and ABC. And if they said no, you were kind of done, right? Or if the radio said no. Well, podcasting immediately to me was like there are no more barriers, right? You just start a show. So I thought it was incredibly amazing that anyone, in theory, anyone could do this. So I set out to learn how to do that. And that's how I stepped into podcasting, and that is the inception of my first show, which was a video show called Produce Picker Podcast. Okay, there's a few questions in there. First of all, <laughs> kudos for the Disney thing, because I just, I, I actually was an art major for a while, and it, it's one of those things. If you've got that creative bent, the, the well, law enforcement in and of itself is, there's not a lot of freedom there. My dad is a retired police officer. Uh-huh. Um, but th- there's just not a lot of freedom. But I think a job in general, if, I mean, to want to work for Disney, there's a whole lot of creativity there. So, um, that's great. Cause I also think it takes a lot of courage to say, no, nope, I gotta do, I gotta do something else. So c- congratulations on doing that. Um, now when you first found podcasting in iTunes, I mean, how many podcasts were there? There could not have been that many at that point because there's still probably, I mean, there's tons now, but even compared to, you know, blogs and stuff, it's still, it's new. (laughs) Yeah, right. No, I mean, it is still, it's still a baby, right? Podcasting can't even, what do they say? Podcasting can't even drive yet. I think something like that, right? Because it's, you know, it's only like eight years, nine years old. So uh, there weren't many, but it's, it's hard to remember because I went on a, what, what, the typical person does when they find podcasts and they realize how cool it is because someone's talking about something they're interested in, they go out and just subscribe to everything they've ever been interested in and has a show, right? So I was consuming content like crazy, um, things that I didn't even know I was interested in. So I had a uh, an extensive list of like ultra light backpacking podcasts. Never done this. Really wasn't planning to do it. Um, but for some reason, I was fascinated. Maybe because the people were out on the trail, like out on the uh, on the Pacific Crest Trail, hiking and talking and putting that online. I I guess I was just enamored by that, you know, and just the ability to do that. So I was watching stuff. I'm not going to climb Everest. I watched a whole video show on that. So it felt like there was a lot, but yeah, there was not much, especially uh, back then, uh, not much at all. So if you were lucky enough to start a podcast that early. You probably got a good start because there were people discovering it and you really stood out because the crowd wasn't so big. A little harder these days, but um, to be noticed in the podcast directory, despite the fact that there aren't as many compared to something like blogs. But yeah, so the numbers were low then. Uh, they're still relatively low now. 
but I, I was consuming everything I could get my hands on. Okay, so tell us about the Produce Podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple because, as I mentioned, I discovered podcasting and I thought, hey, I want to do this. Um, and then I said, well, like most people do when they discover podcasting and they decide they want to do podcasting, they say, what am I going to podcast about? And at the time, I was actually trying to write um, like a guide for how to pick out produce. And the reason was because I all through high school and college, I worked in grocery stores and specifically half that time I was in produce departments. So I heard a writer, because I was researching how to write a book, um, I heard a writer say, write about what you know about. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'll apply this to podcasting. Podcast about what you know about. So, okay, then I sit there and I say, what do I know about? Because you think that's obvious. It's not necessarily obvious. You have to do a little searching. <laughs> yeah. And you say, what do I know about? And turns out I had all this knowledge from all these years working in a produce department about how to pick out a perfect watermelon or how to know when an avocado is ripe. Um, all these things that people would come into my store and ask me and I'd give them an answer because I would research this stuff because I hate saying I don't know. But the only people who benefited were people who walked through my door, right? At whatever store I'm working at. You can go to another store and the guy just says, I don't know. You know, and that happened a lot. And I, I hate, I hate seeing that. But so here was a chance for me to not only uh, use what I know to start a podcast, but I was able to help potentially just a whole bunch of other people. And so that was how Produce Pot, Produce Picker Podcast was born. I, I decided I'd do five minute videos and each one would be very specific. You know, it would be a, an episode about how to choose a perfect avocado or how to know when a watermelon was ripe. And that was the inception of that show. And, and I think it's only, there was only like 21 episodes, but that was over a couple of years. Video podcasting is a whole other level of production beyond audio podcasting. So it can take a lot of work, but um, that was, that was my first podcast. Yeah. And how long did you do that, that for? I would say I, so I started pre-planning and shooting video in middle 2006. And I believe the first episode was officially released in January 2007. And then my pod, my next podcast after that was the Podcaster Studio. And that came about in about April 2009. So about a little more than two years. Wow. And did you have a, a website for that podcast? Oh, yeah. It still exists. It's Produce Picker Podcast. And if you go there now... Um, it's just a big video player and it's got the episodes you can, you can watch there. But the best part is the banner right across the top and it says produce picker podcast. I think it says I haven't been there a long time myself. It's at producepicker.com. Okay. And, um, it says as seen on Emerald. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cause I was on an episode because of that podcast, partly because of that podcast, I got to be on my own whole half hour episode of Emerald when he started a new show out in Virginia. So I, as soon as I had that in the bag, I went right to my website and I said, as seen on Emerald thinking, Hey, let's market this thing a little bit. Absolutely. Now, probably one question you get often, but did you make any money with that podcast? Uh, that's such a tough question when it comes to podcasting, because uh, it's in, I could say yes, but I think most people think, think that means, oh, you got a sponsor or something like that. But most podcasters can make money. Uh, generally, I say it has to be sort of a, um, it has to be a whole bunch of things you do, a totality of all the things you do, like affiliate links and, you know, banner ads, all this stuff. Um, so I made a little bit of money, but nothing substantial. Like if, if getting into podcasting, if money is your first thought, I would say like, try something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's funny, because even as I was getting this started, you know, a lot of people were, um, they would ask me like, well, is it making money? Because every time I hit, you know, a new download, you know, amount or something like, well, how's it going? I'm like, well, you don't get it. It's it's driving traffic for me. It's, it's building an audience. It's, I mean, it, it, that's not why I do it. <laughs> yeah, I think I did an episode about all the ways that podcast pays beyond like actual cash, something like that. And, you know, certainly if it's bringing people to your website and you have something to sell, you're making money from the podcast because you're reaching people and converting them. But it's it's less tangible than if someone just walks through your door and buys something. Yeah, which 
So let's, can you fill us in a little bit then about, I mean, you do this full time. Yes. I think, I think this is where the confusion usually comes in and probably even with my own audience. And so in a couple different times I've had to explain it. So yes, the answer is, do I podcast full time? Yes. Okay. Or you're bit, you, you, you work for yourself full time. Is that there's, safe? there's where it changes. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, uh, I, I refer to myself as a bunch of different things, as many of us probably do, but one of those would be a professional podcast producer. I say this in the intro of my show, and what I say is podcasting is my day job and nighttime hobby. So I still have my own shows, my own podcasts that I produce. Uh, Those are podcasts about podcasting, and those are still hobby shows for the most part. Do they make some money? Yes, but they're more, they're hobby shows because um, I do them for the love of it, not for the money. But full time, eight to five, five days a week, I produce podcasts for uh, a network of shows uh, for a society uh, based in Washington D.C. It's a, it's a, the American Society for Microbiology is a large member organization of microbiologists. It's forty thousand members. It's one of the oldest organizations, uh, non nonprofit. I'm sorry member-only organizations in the world. So um, they were really forward-looking and launched a series of podcasts when podcasts started. They were there at the very beginning. Um, and as I talked about benefiting from being there early, um, they certainly did. But they have amazing content, and it's mostly around microbiology, but we cover a lot of different things. But we have a whole network of shows, and two of us run that network, uh, and I produce. So I shoot video I edit audio, everything it takes, um, soup to nuts, podcast production. That's what I do for my quote unquote day job. But you get to podcast for a living for the most part. Oh, it's a total dream job. So podcasting was something I was doing before that happened. I got a contract position with them in 2008, uh, because I was podcasting. And in 2009, I went full time. Then I've been there ever since 2009 making more money than I ever made in any other career. Um, and, you know, I don't be very quiet. Don't tell them because I would do it for a fraction of the cost. I was already, it's, I absolutely love, it. I work from home. Like all I need is an internet connection. So I work from home. I produce podcasts. I get paid really well. So it really is a dream job. And I, I spoke about that in 2012 at, at NMX um, about the process of, you know, maybe someone else who has an interest in doing what I do for a living I think there's opportunities there, and I think they're going to uh, only get uh, more and more as we go down the the road here in this new medium. But are you, now are you self-taught? I mean, you didn't get it. You had talked about going to college and stuff. You didn't get you didn't focus. You didn't get a degree in anything relative to media or producing or, or any of that. So everything you've learned and all your skills, it's through doing and testing and, and trying. Yep, it's called YouTube University. Or that's- <laughs> Because this isn't something, so my job didn't exist five years ago, right? I mean, like this, or or maybe nine years ago, I guess now, but this job did not exist because the medium didn't exist. And yes, there are plenty of people who are trained in audio and video, radio production, whatever it is. But yeah, I was completely focused on this career in law enforcement, got my master's in sociology. So I have no formal training in um, the engineering of production, and it is strictly from uh, learning it myself. So I did that produce show because I was learning how to podcast. So I spent two years learning how to podcast, producing my own podcast. And very quickly, my love uh, for production, which is something I already loved doing uh, as a kid back when I talked about being creative, I used to love to shoot and edit video. So um, I've always kind of been training for it. But when I found podcasting, I wanted to learn how to do that tech. And I spent every waking moment of every day where I wasn't working, breaking my back in a produce department or some other lame job, a sales job I hated, whatever it was, what kept me going until three in the morning was learning all the ins and outs of podcasting. So that's how the podcaster studio uh, came into being because my focus or my knowledge shift away from produce and it shifted into podcasting. So after a couple years of podcasting, I had a vast amount of knowledge that I wanted to share with people. So I started a podcast about podcasting. So that's where all that came from. But yeah, even the job itself, um, I was out there giving talks about how to podcast and and just meeting people in real life, still shaking hands, you know, and still putting face to face uh, time. And, and uh, that 
that was able, I was able to spin that into a, a career podcasting. Is that how you connected with, with your employer? Yeah, completely. Because as I said, there's two of us um, and they started back in like 2005 with their network. And it was really one guy in the communications department who had the idea to sort of take the organization into this new medium. And after a couple of years of having a lot of success, he needed some help. And so we belong to the same uh, meetup group, meetup.com. It's this awesome site where you can meet people locally who have interest in whatever you have. Uh, interest in. And uh, we belong to the same group. And then we also went to uh, PodCamp, which is a a little conference for podcasters. They have all around uh, different cities throughout the the world, I think. But um, yeah, so he knew of me. You know, he it's funny because he was out there looking for someone to help him. He talked to a lot of people who did have that deep training in production. But when he would say, okay, so tell me about a podcast, they they just look at him with a blank stare. They didn't really know it because they weren't doing it. They weren't in it. And and when he talked to me, but so he went to a podcast meeting. Um, I was talking, and he could see I clearly loved it. I clearly knew what it was about. Um, and so we formed a relationship. And it was funny because after a podcast, he was actually pitching the job to someone else. And I interrupted three different times and said, "That's my job." And I just it was one of those moments where I just knew. I was going to get this job. Like it, I, nothing had been more perfect uh, in my life. And I said, that is for me. And I got the interview and ended up getting a job. I almost didn't. And I found out a couple of years later, I was up against someone else who almost got the job. But um, so whether it's luck or hard work, probably a little of both. Um, that's how I got into my career. Yeah. What is, I, I'm going to, I was going to botch it up, but I know there's a quote about luck, but it's, you know, you basically, you show up and do the work every day and then you, happen to be in the right place right yeah right i i forget the quote as well but yeah it goes along those lines that you know basically you create your own luck yeah so all right so with the with the full-time podcasting i know on your site it also says that you do um consulting and training yep so do people find you obviously through your podcast and your site how much of that do you do so that is an interesting thing because again that is a relationship born out of a podcamp, a different podcamp. Uh, I was uh, speaking at one in Philadelphia and podcamps are great. If you're interested in new media, you can go and talk. It's a great way to get your feet wet talking. If that's something you're interested in doing uh, in front of groups, I know it's very scary, but it's a great way to start. So anyways, I was giving a talk on podcasting. Someone came up after the, uh, the session. They said, Hey, can I pay you to help me start my podcast? And I thought, uh, sure. <laughs> I thought, you know, I always was kind of, you know, thinking that it would be cool to see what it was like to have clients, right? And work for yourself. So I said, sure. I set that up, um, had client number one. And then I probably at that point said, well, you know, I can do this, right? That takes a fair amount of confidence that I didn't even have. I went in thinking, do I, can I do this? Can someone give me their hard earned money and I give them the result they want? And it went really well. So I put that on the website. I've mentioned it in a few shows. I really don't market it because um, you said, how much do I do it? It really is when someone asks. Mm-hmm. Um, and these days, I don't have almost any time to do it. And moving recently moving to the West Coast, back from the East Coast, uh, it makes it really hard to do all my consulting, which I do in the evenings. Ma- that makes it really hard to do that. Uh, and then throw a two-year-old in the mix, it's almost impossible. So I don't. I only do it when someone asks and... Um, you know, I kind of call it golf and beer money because it's just extra money. But and I enjoy more for the process of helping someone get a podcast started because that's a really neat moment when they see themselves in iTunes. But I also do it to stay sharp, right? Teaching is the best way, um, sort of to learn. Absolutely. To, and so I do it for that reason as well. And um, you know, I've often thought, how much do I want to keep doing this? And I can't quite let it go because I, I do love it. But um, time is, is really difficult to do a lot of it. And I'm fortunate because I do have that full-time job podcasting that I don't rely on it. I, I would hate to have to go out and find clients as opposed to the way it's happening now where clients find me. Have you thought about, what about teaching, uh, leveraging that a little bit where you had a product or a course that people could get? Yeah. If I really wanted to make more money and this goes for anyone, uh, who's, you know, blogging or podcasting and is doing something that's instructional, probably doesn't even have to be instructional at all. 
Uh, a digital product would certainly be the way. And there are several. I'm friends with probably the other top podcasters about podcasting. I do a show with some of them. Um, so I know them all really well. And I know some of those guys have products or courses. And um, I could I could throw my own hat into the ring with that. Um, but I just haven't sat down and take the time. And it's funny because I've always said when I got online back in 95, if I can't make money on the internet, something's wrong with me. Because it's just so, right? I need a fraction of a percentage of people to buy what I have to make pretty good money. So I've always been trying to find a way to do it. So you think I would have a digital product? I just, um, I haven't, I haven't done it. It does take a lot of time. I'm kind of a perfectionist. So, um, exactly the same thing with can I do consulting? You know, having that confidence, having a product. Um, is is another level of, of confidence. If you make something, you put it out there, and someone spends their hard and earned cash on it, um, are you going to deliver? So, I think it would. I would put a lot of work into it, and I just haven't had the time to do that with my other passions, I guess. But it's certainly the best thing that I could probably be doing if I wanted to make income while I slept. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there is a lot of training out there, and I I see more people doing it, and you know, that brings me to another question in that, you know, I, I think, um, because I, I am obsessed with it. I really do love it. I I'm, I'm fascinated by the medium. And for me, like when I started, I was like, well, I do a lot of video tutorials. So I kept wondering like, well, how am I going to do this? And it's taken on a life of its own and it's, it's fantastic. So, you know, on one hand I'm thinking, well, God, everybody should podcast, but there's a lot of teaching and training on the technical and the process piece of it. Um, I, I guess from my perspective, I've done a lot of diving into, okay, well, what is the value offering your audience and what, you know, what is your story behind all this and kind of the, the work that a lot of people, I'm talking websites now, don't mm-hmm. really want to step back and say, who is my audience? What am I, what am I giving them that method? Um, so with podcasting, I mean, do you think anybody should, could, what are, what are your thoughts on people starting podcasts and what the podcast is about? Oh, well, I mean, it's funny because I change what I say at the end of my show uh, often. But for a long time, I said, go start a podcast or two. And my whole point was that you should do a podcast if you have any interest. And it's why not? If you're going to do one, why not do two? Right. Because the point, no one, there's no one stopping you. And that's kind of uh, the beauty for me and some of, you know, maybe some of the difficulty of podcasting. But um, should anyone do a podcast? I, obviously, if you have a passion for a topic, then maybe, maybe you're a better blogger. I say, you know, bad bloggers podcast and bad podcasters blog. Uh, I can't keep a blog going. I, I just hate writing. I can't write. I wrote a master's thesis. So someone taught me how to write a little bit, but I hate doing it. Um, so I, I put it in a podcast. It's easier for me to flip on, on the microphone and talk. So, as podcasting becomes more prominent and more uh, accepted as maybe a, a marketing platform, more businesses get into it. And so you start to say, you know, should everyone podcast kind of translates into should should your business have a podcast? But I think it really you have to ask yourself, especially when you're putting money into it and you need money back from it. Uh, what are your goals? And is it really going to, you know, deliver the returns that you need? So I think everyone from a personal standpoint, hobby, I mean, podcast is great. It's very hard. Um, people learn this pretty fast. Um, it's hard to stay consistent and, and not fade away. They call it pod fading in a podcast. But um, yeah, I love it. So I love teaching people who also want just to try it. If they just want to try it, I think they should. You know, <laughs> probably the best thing I did was get an editor because I can do it. Yeah. But that is just not the best use of my time. And I also have clients and projects. And and over the last year or so, I mean, my show notes probably can stand by themselves as a, as a post um, because I've, I've gotten more into the writing <laughs> as I've stepped into this. So um, from that perspective, but to your point about consistency, it's tricky because, you know, the not only does the actual recording take time, but if you're not at your skill level with editing, it's like, oh God, here goes another, how long, you know? And initially I was doing a lot of editing out the ums and the, and I'm like, nah, I'm just going to talk. <laughs> and, right. and unless there's weird sounds, um, I leave a lot of that in. But all right. So if somebody wants to start podcasting and I guess 
let me back this up a little bit. So when you do consulting and training on there, are there a few commonalities that you see people that have challenges with that you're always like, no, you know what you need to do X, Y, Z, just a few points. Yeah. I mean, most of the people that I run into, some people have started or tried to start, um, common things that everyone gets tripped up on are RSS feeds, right? I mean, that's a new language born out of podcasting. I mean, it's, it's blogging, but um, podcasting throws an extra element into it. So how do I create that? How do I get on iTunes? And maybe how do I set up my website for podcasting? That's most of, I do a lot of sort of beginning. I sort of build the ship and then I just push it into the water and let them, let them sail away and, uh, and, and do what they want, um, which I enjoy doing because that beginning process can be uh, really dangerous. If you set it up wrong, um, you're not going to break anything, but you might have to fix things that, as in some cases aren't necessarily fixable where you could lose a lot of your audience. So for instance, if you let a third party create your RSS feed uh, and then you submit that to iTunes and you want to then control that RSS feed, which you realize you need to do as a podcaster, um, control is, is pretty important in podcasting like because it, it really means a connection to your audience. So if you do that wrong, you could lose that connection. So that's probably way off base of what you're asking. But when I see new clients, it, they generally need help dealing with those type of things. Okay, so then what about the audio setup and, and sort of, for lack of a better word, studio? You fully have a studio, which um, I don't I don't think I would say I have a studio. I have a mic and headset and a pop filter, but that's about it. But, that's um, studio. Okay. I, it's, I, I call it the podcaster studio, and I bet there's I bet people don't realize that it, I'm just the uh, another podcaster in his extra room in his house uh, doing podcasting. I mean, that's my studio. Yeah. I have a few more pieces of gear than maybe the average podcaster, but the podcaster studio was meant for anyone. And and it's specific because the podcaster studio is, it could be just a mic and a, and a pop filter and a computer. I mean, that could be your podcaster studio. So I have fun with the sort of grand name and, and this concept of having this nice big studio, but a studio can be as simple as a microphone or an audio recorder. So I, you know, and it could be outside. So that's, I, I have fun with that. Okay, good. Now, well, and you know, I actually, um, that's me. I'm in, in the extra room in my house, in the office, which I just put tile in. So I didn't think of, I was like, wait a minute, this, this could be an interesting, um, audio thing I'm going to have to play with acoustically. Um, but you know, I think, I guess what I've seen is people get very hung up. Like when I took a podcasting course, the amount of discussion that, is wrapped around gear gear and (laughs) and i'm like well who's your audience or or you know they don't even really have a platform obviously with the word press chick i'm a big proponent of you know having that site and that place where people can connect to you also but it kind of throws me for a loop with the amount of in a way i think it's a little bit of a distraction i'm not saying it's not important but you can focus on gear forever is what it seems like Oh, definitely. I mean, people listen to my show for a year planning things and and still don't have a podcast. And people are trying, you know, that's sort of that um, where they say um, the analysis, paralysis, uh, paralysis through analysis. Mm-hmm. There we go. Unstick my brain. That happens a lot because people are trying to get things perfect. And honestly, you can't and you can't become a better podcaster and have a better show until the mic is on for real and you publish the thing, right? Your first 10 episodes, no one's listening anyways. So make the mistakes. I mean, you really have to turn the microphone on and just start recording. And what is that microphone? What type? You know, I care a lot about that because I I care about audio quality and think people should invest some time and money into their show to get audio quality, but it it doesn't take much. And if you can't, uh, figure it out, but you know you have a headset mic, just use a headset mic because the point is you need to get going. Um, that's the most important thing that I try to tell people. I get into all the geeky stuff and I can talk for hours about gear. That's what my audience enjoys. That's what I enjoy. But my core message at the end of it always is to say, take all that stuff I told you and push it towards the back and just start because you know starting is the key and I like to see people grow as they go is what I say. Um, make them in your audience will enjoy the improvements you make too. So yeah, people want to talk about gear. They love to talk about gear and sometimes that really stalls things. It, I, I just, it, it kind of blew me away. And in the course, I, I had actually started my podcast before I took this course and it, it seemed like every week the, the live webinar just 
I was, I was like, all right, you know, you guys are getting muted for a while because I've got work to do (laughs) because it, and, and it, and doesn't mean I'm not interested in that stuff, but to me, obviously audio quality, but what's again, what seems to be missing is like, well, who is your audience and what are you doing for them? And, you know, if, if you go into it with the goal to share a passion, share something, you know, a a value to your audience. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I think that that, should be a little bit higher focus for a lot of people personally. Definitely. I mean, I, I again, I preach audio quality all the time. I think that the the tech needs to get out of the way of the content. And one way it can do that is by if you have a good sounding production, people don't notice, you know, the hissing or the the problems with your audio. They can focus on the content. If they can't hear what you're saying because of some audio problem, then they're not going to get the content. So a few things you can do a few things to limit the audio problems but it doesn't take much i have a guy in my community who does uh he does a show a running show i mean he carries a digital recorder and goes out and runs and talks in i mean he's breathing heavy he got the sounds of the outside but his audience absolutely loves it because they're all cuz they're runners that's that's the way they want to hear him out doing his run so you know it, it doesn't, it, it, like you said, it goes back to who's listening. Uh, just like as a business, you have to think, what are my goals? Same with podcasting. You know, who am I talking to? What am I trying to get out of this? Um, and then adjust for that because everyone wants the answer that fits, that plugs right in and it goes across all podcasts and that, that doesn't exist. Thank you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That is great with the running one. Um, I've heard other podcasts where people are walking and stuff, but you know, and I think to, to get started, like you were saying, you can get started with a decent sounding audio without investing a ton of money and then upgrade. I, I mean, yeah. I've got a decent mic, but I want to upgrade to a better one. And so there's been a boon in the last year or two. That, and anyone who listens to my show has heard me talk about or any of these podcasts about podcasting show mostly. Uh, it's called the ATR 2100. And I won't get geeky. It's just a microphone. It's a USB and XLR microphone. I'm talking to you on it right now. I've recorded my last probably three or four episodes on it. Um, I also have a $300 microphone and I still would use this mic um, interchangeably. I don't care which one I'm using. Uh, It sounds amazing. Like I said, it's 35 bucks. You can plug it right in your computer and you're, you're good to go. So that's as much as you need to invest in your podcast to get great audio. Can you say that? And is that, is that audio technica? Yep. It's the audio technica ATR 2100. Um, I have a whole gear page with everything. Uh, on my side, the podcasterstudio.com slash gear on uh, the very first thing on that page is this microphone with some audio samples and a little bit more of an explanation as to why I love this microphone. Okay, good. And I will link everybody listening. Um, so go ahead and I'll link to, um, Ray's gear page. Um, because obviously if, uh, if you're going to get something, I would definitely go through his affiliate link. I'm hoping those are all affiliate links for you. They are affiliate links. Okay, good. Um, and, you know, a quick question in terms of, because you also do video podcasting, right? Yes, not only for my day job, but again, my first podcast was video. And I also have a YouTube channel, which is not delivered as a podcast. So I do a lot of video. Okay, so in in starting, um, would you, first of all, would you recommend audio over video? Or does it really depend on what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, the easy way I usually uh, have people make that decision is, is what you're doing, does it need to be seen, right? Because we have a lot of video podcasts where it's just talking heads of people really just recording their audio podcast. There's a lot of production that goes into that. Is that really necessary? No. Um, And what's great about, I mean, you can take your video show and make it audio only as well. So that's kind of nice. There are some things you need to think about when you're recording it to make it more, you know, uh, consumable for the audio only consumer, but, um, audio has more of an uptake because it's, you can consume it in more places. I can, I can listen to audio in the car. Uh, you know, it's something that I can take to the gym. Uh, so if you look at the straight up stats about what people are consuming, you probably have a better chance of reaching people with audio, but it does depend on what your show is. You know, the produce show that I did really needed to show people uh, if I was showing you a technique about how to pick out an avocado, it's going to be much easier to understand if you see me do it, whether I tell you to do it. My show about podcasting, almost nothing there needs to be seen. So it's an audio only show. So that's how I help people decide. Um, and audio is in theory easier to produce. So I, I would definitely, I did it backwards, video to audio. I would encourage people 
if they're considering it to start an audio podcast first. Because, well, you know, it's interesting because there's one video podcast that I listen to that's interviews that doesn't need to be video. And what makes me crazy about it, because I do listen to podcasts at the gym all the time. And, you know, if you're listening to an audio podcast, I've got an iPhone. And so I can I can close a window or like check email really quick or whatever. If I shut the, the video podcast, it stops playing. Oh, yeah. So it also is a total suck on the phone battery when I'm out and about. Yeah. Um, so it kind of makes me crazy. And when it's just an interview and it's just two people talking, um, I would just rather consume it by audio personally. Um, yeah, they're falling down a little bit if they're not putting it in an audio only feed. And in my personal opinion, because I mean, right here, you've got a, a, a pain point with you, right? It would be much easier if you get audio only. So it's very easy to also put in an audio feed. Uh, so maybe you should toss that suggestion to them. <laughs> you know what? I might, because I know that on the website there's, you can listen via just audio only, but when I subscribe to it via iTunes, it is strictly the video feed. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I would much rather listen to it. Just the a, audio. A lot of people, not... a lot of people probably would. So, okay, good. So, well, you know, the other thing I've heard about was, is that people will take, um, their audio and they're putting their audio podcasts in YouTube. I think simply for traffic, but to me, yeah, that seems kind of cheesy. <laughs> I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of repurposed content as a podcast. It is one way. When I talked about earlier, what do I podcast about? Some people have a large library of video or audio content already created, and that could be their podcast. They could repurpose it, meaning they could just sort of package it for a podcast and put it out there. Technically, you have yourself a podcast. I'm not a fan of that because. I think a podcast audience is very unique and you should talk to them specifically, but that's a personal thing. And if technically, if that's what you want to do to start a podcast, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm just not a big fan. Same goes with YouTube. Um, yeah, I mean, who's, you know, kids these days get a lot of their music from YouTube because you know, people will upload the song and just put a poster image there. And that's where kids are getting all the music from. But as a content for free, right? For free, yeah. As oh, yeah. a real, real place to sort of distribute your your content. If you're gonna be on YouTube, because I'm a big fan of of audio only shows. If you find you have more time to produce more content, I love adding in a YouTube channel because YouTube is extremely powerful. Um, I'm probably making more money on YouTube than I am from podcasting and my hobby stuff. Um, so there's something to be said for that as well. But are you using ads with YouTube? ads and affiliates are the uh -huh. primary ways. Um, right. I, it, you know, so I really love YouTube. My other passion is shooting video, but specifically with DSLR cameras. So I have a whole channel about that. Um, and those people are also gear nuts, which makes me a gear nut. Uh, <laughs> and as opposed to podcasters, they actually buy expensive gear. So you, you know, depending on who your audience is, once again, um, may depend on the kind of content you're putting out there. So yeah, the whole audio only to video, uh, on YouTube, I'm not a fan of. You can do it. It's funny that you brought that up because today at work we tried to do it because Facebook used to let you put audio only uploads to your site. Um, and we've had recent success with putting our video, not just a link to the video on our page, but uploading it specifically to Facebook because Facebook, when you upload content to their site, they, they weigh that more. We all know about the algorithms of Facebook and people trying to figure out all the time. The, the bottom line is we get a far more reach when we upload it to Facebook's uh, service because they, they want the content. They don't let you do that with audio. So we were going to sort of tweak it to do uh, this exactly what we're talking about, audio with a video and a video player and upload that. Uh, but if you try to do that, just know that there's a 20-minute limit and it doesn't work. <laughs> It doesn't ah. work. It doesn't work past 20 minutes. I should say it works if it's under 20 minutes. Uh, but you know, our content is, is far exceeds 20 minutes and most audio only podcasts do. Yeah. Well, I get kind of bummed if they're, if they're not 20 minutes, to be honest yeah. with you, because usually when I, I mean, whether it's in the car or, you know, like I said, at the gym or walking or something, I, I, I want to just dive into the content for a good solid hour at yeah. least. So I'm always hoping, um, well, the average commute is something, there's some stat about it being 33 minutes or something like that. So, you know, when we talk about the, uh, here's these sort of things you can do to be quote unquote successful in podcasting. Uh, that's one of them is, is sort of cause people want to get in their car, uh, and be able to not have to switch something on their commute. So 33 minutes is sort of the sweet spot, but uh, I enjoy really long form content as well. But I also launched a show that's literally less than five minutes just to experiment with the medium. So 
Yep, there's to each his own when it comes to podcast consumption and creation, really. How are the short episodes doing? Um, they're fine. I wasn't consistent enough with them to probably get an accurate measure of how they perform against the longer ones. Um, they did fine. I didn't find that they got as big of an audience as my long format show. There could be all kinds of reasons for that, but I was a little surprised that the bulk of my audience didn't seem to translate to the small show. So it was an experiment I ran. Um, it's for people who want to really learn how to podcast like one tip at a time. It's called podcast quick tips. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if I killed the show, which I probably will in the not too distant future, there will probably be people that are disappointed about it because they, they love it. But um, it was really an experiment to see how the short format works. And I obviously don't think it works as well. It doesn't mean you wouldn't be successful with it, though. Okay, then last question, thank you for that, is um, in, in terms of kind of analytics and measuring, you know, and, and, you know, initially, as I was getting going, I was, it just made me giddy just to simply see the stats from Blueberry and in, in my dash, my WordPress dashboard yeah. of how many people had listened or whatever. Um, it's, it's, I'm not saying because they still matter to me, but is there, are there any measurements or anything that people should be looking at um, that really matter or is it just kind of keep going? What are your thoughts? So this, this happens to every podcaster in the beginning. Understandably, we are, we're stat obsessed, right? Because you want to know, is anyone listening besides my friends and family? And then you start to see things roll in and you notice, Hey, maybe someone in Bulgaria is listening to me. Really? Yeah. Which is crazy. It's still sort of this weird, like intangible things. You see it on a map, but you're not really sure. Right. And then that person emails you and they say, Hey, I'm in Bulgaria. Love your show. Thanks. And you're like, Oh my gosh. And that hits home a little bit more. Uh, and, and so this starts to happen. Um, and in the first year, I feel like we're really obsessed because really you want to know, is anyone listening? Right. And it's important to know that, uh, for a lot of people, some people just want to put the content out and they don't really care who's listening. Uh, with my first podcast, I was very interested, but that said, I just want to learn how to do it. So with stats, um, you know, subscribers used to always be like, how many subscribers do you have? Um, so maybe I have a thousand subscribers, but that doesn't mean a thousand people watched your episode, right? So they're subscribed. So it's more likely that they received your episode. It, what's really important is if you're looking at numbers, I guess it's more important how many people actually click the play button and you can see that versus your subscribers. And hopefully that's more than your subscribers, but um, that might not be the case for every episode. So with stats, you always just caution people to, to not go crazy. I think if you see consistent growth, which is, you know, as long as you're going forwards and not backwards in audience, you're doing something right and you're growing. That's good enough for me. No, that's great advice. You know, the one thing that I was surprised with is in, in looking at stats and seeing which episodes tend to get more listens. Yeah. Because for me, it, it's great feedback on the content that I'm providing because I actually am going to start um, another podcast just under my own name, my own brand uh, that I'm going to be launching, which is just a little more open. I love WordPress uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to let it go, but it's a little more restrictive. So it's fun to see that some of the episodes maybe where I've pulled in, you know, a personal element, and as it relates to my business and my journey, um, it's so it's fun for me to see that because it's it's good feedback on the content is, is kind of what I look at. Besides, I mean, don't get me wrong. Every time I see, you know, higher numbers, I'm like, I cannot believe I'm at 14,000 downloads. <laughs> it blows me away. It blows me away. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, yeah, it's really cool to see more. And And I always tell people, you know, I said sort of grow as you go and your audience can help you shape your content just that very fashion. Hey, it looks like more people are enjoying episodes about X, Y, and Z. Maybe I should do more of those, but you know, even better than stats is talking to your audience, right? So if you can get a conversation actually going with the people in your audience, which is your best thing to do, and there's obviously a bunch of ways to do that, uh, then you can actually ask them directly, Hey, what do you like? What do you don't like? What would you like to hear more of? Um, so that, that is, you know, I think feedback could be as valuable or more valuable than even stats. You know, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's, it's funny because those episodes are the ones where I get more comments and shares also. So in terms of engaging and having a conversation with your audience, um, besides asking them, you know, uh, on a live show, do you have some methods for doing that? What do you, what would you recommend? 
Well, I mentioned I love Twitter, but mm-hmm. um, it's just where, it's where I like to communicate. It doesn't mean that's necessarily where my audience likes to communicate. Sure, some do, and I connect with them there, but I need to be everywhere my audience is. So I'm on Google+, Plus, right? I'm on Facebook. I have a property there. Now, you get to caution against that. If you can't maintain a presence in all those places, you don't want people to be talking to you and you're not talking back, right? So only go into as many as you can, right? Maybe start a Twitter account. You're managing that fine. You can start a Facebook page. Uh, maybe you're going to create a forum on your site because you have time and you see a need for that. So I've started the conversation everywhere possible, but you do have to be careful to make sure that you don't start the conversation and then check out. I mean, I answer every single YouTube comment that I get. And my channel is, I have two channels, uh, both approaching a million views. And so, um, you know, it, the thing about YouTube is funny because the rub on YouTube is always the comments I om- and trolls. I almost never get a bad comment. And I don't know what that's about, really. It's kind of strange, but um, I'm, I'm sure it's not because of me. It's just maybe the content. But, um, you know, I like I don't see a lot of people responding to their audience there. And I think that's extremely important. Um, I like to answer every question. So as long as I can do that, I do that. That's great. I would say that my biggest complaint with YouTube is that I use Google business apps and my Google plus and YouTube are under another Gmail account. So oh, yeah. two monitors, I'm always going like, right, this one is this Gmail account and this one will always be this account. So uh, it's definite problem. I have, you see, you can type in my name, you're going to get multiple Google plus accounts because of the way they've set it up. And literally the avatar for one of them is this is the wrong account. Go to this other <laughs> one. I mean, it's terrible. It's a horrible solution. People are always saying, what is that on your avatar? I'm like, read it. Um, yeah. So Google needs to fix that. That's for sure. That's funny. You know, I've actually had people do that and they invite me to Google Plus. I'm like, I'm already there. Wrong email. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a problem because I, I run a show strictly on Google Plus, a live show called Podcasters Roundtable. And it, um, it's a problem because people uh, try to add me and they're adding the wrong account. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ray. This is and thank you. Ray was great. I had to reschedule last week. So thank you for understanding that. And thank you for all your information. I I really enjoyed this today. Oh, my pleasure. And congrats on hitting the post, as they say, in on traditional media, because <laughs> our out time was 530 because the two year old's about to be home and she she rules the roost. And uh, it's not very conducive to quality audio. So so Kim hit the post right on time. And <laughs> thank you. Uh, I guess we're out of here. Okay, great. So everybody, you can uh, connect with Ray, the podcaster studio, and I'm going to have all the links to his site, to his gear page, which I'm going to go back at, of course, when we're done. Um, so all of those will be in the show notes. Of course, his Twitter, um, I'll have his social media links too. But thank you very much. Make sure to connect with Ray. It was great. Thanks again, Ray. One more valuable tip. Yes, yes. I can't stop myself. When you go to the gear page, don't buy it just because you see it. Ask me first because it is, again, it's so individualized. I always want people to ask before they buy. And I don't care about affiliate links. I want you to get the best deal. So ask first. <laughs> because there may be a better deal elsewhere as opposed to directly the link. Is that what you're saying? Well, m- more importantly, the piece of you still might, just because it's on that page, it doesn't mean it's the right piece of gear for you or that you need all the gear that's there, right? Uh, you know, some people want to get this huge podcasting package and all they need is a $35 microphone. So you can save you thousands. So just when it comes to gear, people get crazy. Just ask first before you buy Okay, great. Well, you know, maybe what I'll do is I'll put this out there. And if people have a lot of questions, maybe we could do a follow up show with gear questions. Um, So I'll see if I can get people to call those in. Well, thank you for that tip again. And have a great holiday season coming up. (laughs) Um, That's it. So everybody go ahead and check out Ray again, Ray Ortega at the podcaster studio. Thanks so much, Ray. Thank you. (laughs) 